0: Blog Talk Radio.
1: Witches. I'm your host Raina Starr. It's Saturday, Hooray! <laughs> January 23rd, 2021. Well, we lived, um, but today I have an amazing guest and I will get to our guest in a moment. Desperate House Witches is brought to you by the one, the only, the incredible Dorothy Morrison. Please check out www.wickedwitchstudios.com. And if you need Dorothy's House blessing ornaments shipped overseas. Please check out uh, theconjurepath.com. Look at the bottom of the page, and it will show you how to get that product shipped overseas. Again, Dorothy's house uh, blessing ornaments are still being sold until the end of the month, so get them while you can. They're wonderful. I always buy two, get them in pairs. So, anyway, Desperate Housewitches, if you're new to the show, is not a G, a PG, or even an R-rated show, so if anything I might say, bad language, bodily functions, anything like that might offend you, this may not be the show for you, but if you like reality, come on and sit down because we're going to have a serious talk today. My guest is the amazing writer, Joe Graham. Hey, Joe. Hi, Raina. Great to talk to you. Same here. Okay, so... Let's just get into this. Um, You know, we we had the election. It was very touch and go. Obviously, the previous president wanted to overthrow the election, went to a bunch of people, tried to file bunches and bunches of lawsuits. Pretty much most of them completely crashed out. Then all of a sudden, we had an insurrection attempt. (laughs) What? I mean, we are living in some interesting times. So basically, what I want to talk about today is, yes, um, the insurrection failed, Biden is now president, but we are far from out of the woods, right?
2: Yes, absolutely. Um, when I was on the show last time, we talked about my book, Winter, which is talking about this era we're in, the crisis of 2020, as part of an, something that the ancient Etruscans called the *saculum* which is a cycle of time, like the Wheel of the Year, except that the Wheel of the saculum is about 80 years long. And so therefore, Mm -hmm. unlike the Wheel of the Year, most people don't experience the same part of the saculum over and over and over. They only experience each part of the saculum once. So the crisis that we're having, the crisis of 2020, has long been predictable that there was going to be a crisis. And some of Mm -hmm. the form that it could take was pretty evident, you know, years ago. And that's what my book, Winter, is about. Um, But I completely agree with you. We are not done. We are perhaps 25% done, maybe. Um, Wow. You know, I I take us back 80 years here. Let's go back 80 years to 1940. Sure. And in 1940... Britain was suffering under the Blitz. It was the Battle of Britain. Nazi bombers were bombing civilian targets all the time. Half a million children had been evacuated to try to get them away from bombs, living with foster families all over the place, some as far away as Canada. Mm -hmm. And every night you never knew if there was going to be an air raid siren and people were going to die. And mm-hmm. then in the summer of 1940 the blitz hit its height and by the December of 1940 by the beginning of 1941 things were starting to look a little better. And Churchill made a very the prime minister made a very famous speech in which he said this is not the beginning of the end but it is perhaps the end of the beginning. And that's where we are 80 years later We are not through this But we are perhaps At the end of the beginning Right President Trump is out of office President Biden is sworn in We have moved into the next phase of winter But it's not over yet, Raymond
1: Yeah, and I think the attempt at a Insurrection a couple of weeks ago may actually be the indication of the new phase, and this has given me a lot of concern because, you know, just because it failed on the first attempt, it's not like these people are are packing up their their, ba- yeah, their bags and going home. Do you think we are in for more of the same? I think perhaps they have learned where they may have gone wrong a couple of weeks ago, and they are going to be somewhat better prepared next time. Are are we able to protect ourselves from something like this happening again? Well, that's really a multi-phase question. Um, Do I think they've all (laughs) gone away? No,
2: of course they have not gone away. Uh, They have not gone away these movements are deep-seated and they are not going to go away anytime soon. Um, Are they going to do exactly the same thing again? Probably not, because it didn't work. And doing exactly the same thing again would be stupid. Now, Mm -hmm. I think we are definitely going to see more unrest, more insurrection, but I don't think it's going to be another direct attack on the Capitol. I think it's going to be focused differently um, in a way that is more strategic because in some ways this insurrection was premature Um, Trump wanted to disrupt this vote and that was a really stupid strategic decision because what he succeeded in doing was scaring the people who he needed to keep silent because he didn't (laughs) require that the vast majority of Republicans go along with him. All he required was that they be quiet and do nothing. Right. Directly, physically attacking them scared them into going ahead, certifying the election results the same day, getting it done. And, you know, if he'd waited, there would have been more doubt, there would have been more grandstanding, there would have been more people on his side. But he was in a hurry, and he he blew it. And that's wonderful. We won a battle because our enemy was stupid. <laughs> but before we congratulate ourselves, and tell us tell ourselves that we're all Captain America. You know, we won because our right. enemy made a stupid mistake, and that does not take away is... from the immensely hard work of so many people right. who have worked to preserve democracy in this election. This does not take away from that work at all.
1: No, but obviously, if the en- if your enemy becomes smarter with every failure, because, you know, that is apparently the human condition, we're supposed to learn from our mistakes, I put that in quotes, um, the fact of the matter is, is that every time you make a mistake, you correct it for the next attempt. I'm not saying that the next attempt will be a winner, quote unquote, but. The idea that this was a one-and-done is foolhardy. There is no way that they will stop at just Mm -hmm. one attempt. Now, they may go about it in several different ways. Um, There are already QAnon people, or at least one installed in Congress, and I don't think that they will stop at one. I think as they repackage and rebrand, um, they will come at it from different ways and perhaps fool a great deal of the populace um, into voting for, to put more of those folks into place. Um, so I'm concerned that while – and I, listen, I love celebrating. I love the fact that Trump didn't get a second term. I'm, you know, I'm pleased as punch that there's something resembling normal in the White House – And that's wonderful, first female vice president, South Asian female, black female, wonderful. We adore Kamala to death. We're so happy. But by the same token, this isn't over by a long shot. And I'm concerned that people have their guard down. And I'm also concerned, again, as people make mistakes, they get craftier. What are some of the, the things you think we should be on the lookout for?
2: Well, I think there's a couple of things. The first thing is that just because we no longer hear so much negative talk doesn't mean that it doesn't exist. It means it's going on somewhere we don't hear it. And, you know, as pagans, we are very aware of how to avoid public scrutiny when it's wise not to. Other Mm -hmm. people are not any stupider about that than we are. We know, have known for years how to have private conversations, how to pay off the radar, how to not have your outdoor circle recorded on in the local paper. You know, we know how to do that. Other people do too. They're not stupider than we are. And so if we don't see anything, that doesn't mean it's not happening any more than it means that when someone says, well, there aren't any pagans in my town. I've never seen any. <laughs> that yeah. doesn't mean there aren't any. It just means that they're very good at not being seen. And exactly. so, you know, we we need to bear in mind that they're not stupider than we are. If we're not hearing any chatter, that doesn't mean it doesn't exist. It's going on somewhere we right. don't hear it. And so I think, yeah. you know, first of all, just don't let your guard down I too am celebrating I too am so relieved that we have Harrison Biden in the White House I am so relieved that we are not in a worst case scenario but not being in a worst case scenario doesn't mean it's over so I think the other thing is to think about if you were them what would you do locally where you are That's a pretty broad picture, right? Because we all live in very different communities, and we all have very different circumstances. But think strategically about what would what would you be doing if you were on the other side of this? What Hmm. is what is your you know evil mirror clone right? What is your evil mirror (laughs) clone
1: doing? Because Um, your evil mirror clone is no stupider than the than you yeah. absolutely, wow, that's yeah. kind of frightening <laughs> and uh, um, yeah that's that's a very scary proposition because I know I can be crafty, and I have a lot of crafty friends um, now, the problem for me is I've never planned an insurrection. Nor do I ever see myself doing something like that. So maybe my problem is, and maybe the problem of several people is a failure of imagination, and the you know the constant desire to underestimate your opponent. And I think that might be, you know, listen. What we saw in the Capitol two weeks ago was frightening and, in some respects, comical, but. The mistakes they made, they won't make again. I just don't think they will. And it takes, you know, there has the to be such
2: a head mainstream of media. Yeah. Some of the things the media was laughing at don't necessarily yeah. strike a pagan viewer as funny. The QAnon shaman—that's not funny. That's actually that was now. not funny. Right. That was not right. funny. That was actual power. Other people were like, oh, look at the weird guy in the antlers. And I'm like, oh, (laughs) shit. (laughs) You know, it's not funny. Um, And so, you know, (sighs) failure of imagination. Oh, I'll remember that, you know, your evil twin probably has, you know, many of the same life experiences you do. And she doesn't know how to plan an insurrection either. But she knows people who do. Now you know, I've planned a march. I've worked on you know big pride marches and things like that. I
1: know what goes into that. Could I? You know how to gather people to a cause. See, that's the, that's, yeah. but that's really, that's instrumental to doing something like this. You have to be able to rally people to a cause. And when you have, I mean, so your experience is kind of perfect for what they are aiming to do. Because it ha- that's how it starts. You first have to get people on your side before you can stage something.
2: And, you know, no, I don't know how to plan an insurrection, but I can plan a march. Now, could I... People with military experience, people with experience in fighting in urban uh, areas, of course. Because we have fought in urban areas across the world for the last 25 years, there are plenty of people with that experience and who can use that experience. So, you know, Mm -hmm. I think we need to, to think. What is someone who is smart likely to do? And one of the things in winter is there is a right to Athena, which is talking about identifying the dangers and the risks and the ways to mitigate them in your own situation. And so one thing I would suggest people do is go through that checklist, go through that discussion with Athena go through looking at coldly what their own situation is and their own risks, because that's going to be very unique to them. For example, um, let's say you live in Charlotte, North Carolina. you live near the airport Mm -hmm. or do you live in Pineville? Your risk level, the airport is a strategic target for anyone who wants to try to hold or use it. If you live next to the airport, you're in a lot more precarious a situation than if you live in Pineville. Right. So, um, you know, look your situation is going to be very personal. Um, yeah. And I'm not saying be a total paranoid freak out, but think about, you know, what are the risks of um, your area? Uh, for example, a friend of mine, sure. um, her mother lives in Little Rock, Arkansas. And she didn't go see her this holiday because of COVID, but last year, when she flew out of Little Rock after visiting her mother over the holidays, there were a bunch of Trump supporters just sitting outside the airport with their comp flags, 30 or 40 of them, hmm. not doing anything. Yeah. Just being a present.
1: Intimidating enough. What is that
2: for? What is... Yeah. What's that presence for? What's it supposed to say? And, you know, when we see national polls and it says Trump's approval rating when he left office was the lowest, you know, ever, it was 38%, and only 28, 20% of people solidly support him. Okay, that's a national poll. That's 20% of everybody everywhere. That is not 20% of people in Little Rock, it, the number is way right. higher in Little Rock. And way lower in Connecticut. And so Mm. there are certainly places where the majority of people, or in some places the vast majority of people, are very upset with this outcome. So I I think one of our big blind blind spots on the left is not understanding how this tapped into very deep-seated, very real problems and differences. And those problems and differences are still there, whether or not Trump is in the White House. And those sources of anger are still there. And,
1: you know... So I think that he's a symptom. So. He's not what brought it. He's the, he's like the manifestation of all of the anger that people had or developed during the Obama uh, administration. And I didn't, and it, for me it was a failure of imagination because I did not realize how angry people were about that. I, you know, I, I'm always hopeful that we're working towards something better and it it scares me to realize that there are people who are like, oh no, no, we don't want that. We want to go back to the past and I can't imagine you know, when you look at history, that's not the side that won. <laughs> are you still angry about a war you didn't even fight? I mean, it's kind of crazy. I don't
2: think that's the actual issue. I don't think that this is a choice between going forward into the future and going back to the past. I think this is about two competing visions of the future, which is much more dangerous. This is not about we want to go back to being a rural agrarian society that has no technology, and no industrialization, and everyone is Christian. I mean, that's not going to happen. We're not going to go back to being pre-industrial society, or we're not going to go back to the 1950s. This is about two competing visions of the future. It's about who do you want us to be? Mm
0: -hmm.
2: And Mm -hmm. it may be that these visions of the future are so incompatible that some people want to go one way and some people want to go another way. Now, you know, with people have been talking about Texas. What if Texas decides they want to leave? My question yeah. there is, how many people do we want to kill to keep Texas? If the Texas legislature or referendum of Texas voters voted to leave, if they had a referendum like Brexit did, as Texas mm-hmm. voted to leave, Are we willing to turn Austin into Beirut? Are we willing to turn Houston into Sarajevo to keep them?
1: Well, what would be the point of doing that, just to claim the land? I mean, because that's what, in essence, it would be.
2: To liberate them, to prevent them from having laws that we disapprove of.
1: Wow. I I don't know. I don't know. I can't even imagine what would go into making that kind of decision again, especially when you think about the fact that everyone has a share of firepower. You know, the more advanced a nation becomes, the more, you know, the the bigger the weapons become. How long would it take to overthrow the, you know, a Texas legislature that wants to secede from the union. Um, you know, do you wipe out every living thing? Do you take hostages? I, I don't even know what would go into it. Do you bomb and an American city for its own good? I don't know. I, that's the whole thing. I, mean, I have you no know. idea. Yeah, it's frightening to consider because you're going to take out people that have nothing to do with it. I mean, how do you even go about doing that in an American state? So I'm, I'm, I'm kind of terrified at the prospect. But, I mean, is that, is that something that they're still talking about even now?
2: Well, I mean, you know, Texas is always talking, and Texas has been talking more. Now, is that yeah. necessarily what's going to happen? I don't know. But I do think that there are states that are not going to like the policies of the Biden administration and who have very Republican legislatures and who may very seriously consider, do we want to have a referendum? And then that brings us to a moral question. Let's say there is a referendum and 58 percent of people in Texas say, yeah, we want to be our own country. Okay, that's democracy. Hmm. Do you say, no, we won't let you do that because you 58% will then preemptively pass laws which discriminate against other people in your state?
0: Hmm. Wow.
2: So, you know, if we... frightening. Yeah. It's a very, very... Questionable moral decision. I mean, where do we go with that? Do we say, allowing you to exert your democratic will will therefore hurt other people because you will repeal civil rights laws, outlaw abortion. So therefore, we will kill you to prevent you from exercising your democratic ability to vote to leave. In the name of, pre- um, of preventing the evil, you're going to do. Mm-hmm. Wow. I mean, that that is very. What do you do with that? How do you do that? I don't
1: even. I don't even know where to go with that. I mean, it doesn't even. It's not something – I mean, you know, I've heard of Alaska having th- the same thought at, at different points in history, and I do know that Texas has mentioned it. I'm sure other places have as well at some point or another. But it just never seems like it's something that people are willing to go through. I mean, it's it's an idea, but there never seems to be enough support Do you think that now there might be that kind of support rising with, you know, all of the factions that we've seen come out of, um, that have developed over the time of this administration, you know, the QAnons and the the Proud Boys? I mean, I know these are specific sections of people who have a very um, stringent view of things, and um, they would like you know, they are not happy about the way things have gone. How much control or how much of a foothold do you think these folks have in ongoing politics? Um, You know, as we talked about before, you know, there is a member of Congress now who is Mm -hmm. a QAnon supporter and member. Um, So how, how, how much power do they have to get before they affect real change, or are they doing it anyway without being in power? Well, think?
2: I think first of all, you can affect real change without being in power um you know, having been a queer rights activist and worked for national organizations in washington d c um You don't have to be a majority to affect change. You can affect change when you are a tiny minority if you know which levers to pull. And that's Mm. what we've done. That is why queer rights have progressed is because a very small, relatively speaking, number of people have exercised Mm. outsized influence. And, yes, you you don't have to have a majority. You don't have to have thousands of people in D.C. You don't have to have a majority of voters support you. Because if we had had a national referendum on gay marriage, we would not have won. Not in 2012, not in 2014. We would not have won. The poll numbers were not there. It is entirely Mm -hmm. possible to affect change as a minority.
1: Yeah.
2: And that's frightening. My evil twin (laughs) is able to do the same thing I am. (laughs) My evil twin is no less capable of pulling levers, of holding rallies, of having town halls, of talking to people than I am
1: that's true but are we are we attributing too much by saying it would be our evil twin because our evil twin is is somebody that is actually part of us that we tamp down because of what we want to actually achieve in the world you know i mean i can't imagine that some of the people that were at well i mean i can't imagine it but apparently their better nature did not get hold of them, you know, Um, because I think everybody has the, you know, we're all a a conglomerate of a light and a dark side and everything in between. Um, My ability to go that kind of dark where I just want to, you know, even at Trump's worst, I didn't want to kill anyone. I didn't scream for anyone to die. Um, You know, it was a situation where I hoped we would come out of it um, in one piece as a country. Now, I know that was a lot to ask for. And even though Trump did eventually lose, and I do see that there are, you know, we have factioned off into different camps, I still have to have hope that at some point the country can unite somewhat. You're never going to have everyone on your side. But the idea of not having to wake up frightened every morning, even some of his supporters would wake up, you know, would tell me that, yeah, you know, I I kind of do wonder what he's going to do in the morning. These are not the people that were, um, these were the people that liked his uh, fiscal policies as opposed to his overall standing on things. Um, You know, so there were people even who supported him who were not a hundred percent behind, everything he did. Um, And I have to still hope that that's still a small fraction of people. Do you think that fraction is going to grow
2: over time with him think. I think there are a lot of people who are frightened and who are upset. And whether or not their anger and their very real fear can be channeled by bad actors is the question. Because I Hmm. think... Anytime you have people who are angry and afraid, there is a tremendous reservoir of power for someone to use it, for someone to direct it, for someone to both physically and metaphysically use that anger and fear. And the only way Mm -hmm. to stop them is to turn off the anger and fear. But I don't Mm -hmm. think we can – Biden is doing his best. He is trying – so hard and it's so clear in his speeches the last few days he is trying so hard to turn off the tap to turn off the anger and fear to speak to people who are scared to death and you know um, my older daughter was talking about a friend whose parents said that They were afraid for their lives if Biden was elected because Christians like them would be rounded up and put in concentration camps. (laughs) They weren't angry. They were
1: terrified. And time will bear out that that is not a reasonable thing. I mean, also on the right... There has been the same thing about guns being rounded up for years. No one has ever come for their guns. No one wants their guns. So I guess it's just a question of time, but who instills that kind of fear? Where does that information come from that Christians are going to be rounded up, especially when you have a churchgoer as the commander, an actual churchgoer, you know what I mean? Just yeah. because Trump holds up a Bible it, should not it have told anyone, up apparently actors. it did. So, yeah. Uh,
2: it gets yeah. used by bad actors. I mean, have you ever, I'm thinking about an issue in fandom, but you've probably seen this, the same issue in witch wars, et cetera. Have you ever seen mm. in the community how one person can get everybody riled up? And get everybody taking sides can prey on everyone's yeah. worst impulses to take something that is a problem but not a catastrophe someone misspoke someone said something they shouldn't have someone put something the wrong way yeah and yeah. suddenly there's Armageddon and, yeah you know you True. may you <laughs> may know to yourself oh that's these things always happen in a group when Marianne's in it, right? Yeah. We all know that person. We all know that yes,
0: person.
2: Yes, we do. Yes, and that we do. person is a bad actor. And, you know, yeah. this is the person who says, oh, I, I, you know, I want to join your group. Oh, I want to hang out with your friends. And you're like, oh, no, because you know, or maybe you don't know when they first show up. They first show up, right. and they're so nice, and they're so sweet. And then they start saying things that somehow put someone else in a bad light all the time. Yes. Somehow <laughs> Somehow the conflict follows them. And it's never yes. their fault. And when you call them on it, they have a very good reason. They always have a very good reason. Mm-hmm. They were sure. offended. They were hurt. Someone else used the wrong tone. Right? And the bad actor mm-hmm. yeah. tears the community apart. And I think, you know, yeah. in this situation, we have bad actors and, and we have very deliberate state sponsored bad actors. I mean, let's not lose sight of the fact that Russian coal farms have been very deliberately fanning every flame for the interest of their national security.
0: That's true. That
2: person that you're talking to on Facebook, that person who your friend is retweeting, is in fact a Russian spy. Yeah. (laughs) You know, that was one of those bots that was part of an expose in Newsweek or so forth at, when I read it, I went, Oh my God, I know that name because a friend of mine, who I will not name, who I respect and like and have known for 10 years, was madly retweeting this person. And I'm like, How, friend, did you realize that you were engaged in Russian, Russian espionage? <laughs> you didn't wow. know that. You didn't mean that. That's not what right. you meant to do. You were repeating yeah. something that you thought. Was good, yeah, but you were amplifying a bad actor. Yeah,
1: see, and this is my whole thing about not lending your voice to just anything. You know, there has to be a level of personal responsibility and critical thinking. And any time I see listen, I make mistakes on Facebook all the time. There, you know, I'm an older person, there are terms that are new to me, um, things I had not heard before that I misinterpreted, my friends were very kind and, you know, rallied around to correct me, which I have no problem with being corrected, because I don't know a lot of things. Um, you know, and I was asked, well, why do you leave, when you've made a mistake and someone corrects you, why do you leave it, why do you leave it posted, and I'm like... Because I'm not the only idiot in the world. I'm not the only person who makes a mistake. And I'm not afraid to make a mistake in public. My concern is, what do you do after you learn better? Do you do better? Do you do you try to do better? Do you try to not, you know, pretend that you never make mistakes? I think that's very inhuman. And, you know, this whole erasure culture freaks me out because, you know, you kind of have to meet people at a certain extent where they are. Things have changed, and they should change, and that's a that's good. Um, but to basically just shun somebody because they made a mistake isn't right either, because you lose support that you may need one day. So I, I try to, you know, keep it to a line of, I'm not embarrassed that I made a mistake. Um, I would be uh, inhuman if I didn't make any mistakes at all. I hope other people will maybe not be so afraid to show that they're human too.
0: Mm -hmm. But people are just so,
1: they're so anti that though. It's frightening. It's like, you know, listen, I have friends who have made mistakes, and, you know, I, I do, every comment and everything that happens in the public arena does not need or warrant my response or endorsement. And I wish more people would just kind of look at things and decide not to comment if they disagree. You know, maybe give that person some room to make a mistake or air a grievance without the need to shut them down and make everything clean and pretty. Life is not clean and pretty, not for pagans, not for anybody. And I think, you know, the ability to talk about struggles and the Me Too movement and, you know, the prejudices that that people feel and, and that have been committed against them, I think there should be a place to be able to let that out. Um, because I don't think it's healthy to keep stuff bottled up either. But just because someone expresses something that maybe you don't agree with, maybe you can just let it go. And there's not enough just letting it go.
2: I agree with you. Know. That, you know, we don't need to weigh in on everything that everyone says. And yeah, know, a lot of times, you know, the, the work of getting to the bottom of why someone said something is a lengthy process that needs mm-hmm. to be approached with compassion and not everyone is in a place or a time to do that all the time um, Right. when I did political field work and dealt with anti-gay protesters um, sometimes wow. there was time and space for that and sometimes there wasn't but when there was the essence of field work is persuasion, it's compassion mm-hmm. I yeah. remember um I had a town hall in Columbia, South Carolina. And there were some mm-hmm. people who showed up to protest. And one was a woman who was probably 55 or so. And yeah. so I said to her, I said, why, tell me why you're here. Why are you here and why are you mm-hmm. here? And so we talked for a little while, a few minutes. And she was very upset and she kept getting more and more upset. And then she said, my son has told me he's gay. I've seen angels in America. I don't want my son to die. And she started crying.
0: Oh, Sure. Sure.
2: And I said, angels in America is about a certain moment. It's about the 1980s. It is absolutely profoundly true, but it is about a historical moment. Your son being gay does not mean that he is going to get AIDS and he is going to die horribly in your arms. I understand, yeah. because I'm a mother too, that what is really glory is the idea that someone has persuaded your son to get into the situation where he will die horribly in your arms. Yeah, But
1: that's not what's going to happen. Right. But I understand the fear from somebody who doesn't maybe know any better or hasn't, you know, gotten away from a Hollywood moment. You know, I think if you don't have access to information and research, it can be a very frightening thing. You know, when I started losing my friends and nobody could tell me why, you know, back mm-hmm. before they knew how it was being transmitted, but I just knew a bunch of my friends were dying. Um, they'd go mm-hmm. into the hospital and never come back out. Um, it was frightening, sure, you know. Yeah. And I remember people being you know, I had I had some friends that people were afraid to touch and it's like no, that you know, once we got the information it was like, No, that's not how you get it. It and people just wanna hold on to these fears because they're trying to keep themselves safe. And the lack of information that you can get into someone's brain sometimes is maddening, <laughs> you know. Yeah. And, it's, yeah. it's, and similar, well, it's similar with this because I think a lot of the things that people are afraid of politically never really bear out, you know, the, the whole thing they're, about, they're you know, being rounded up or... Or outlawing being able to say Merry Christmas. I'm sorry, I, I just wanted to jump in with yeah. that. If these things were not, yeah. these things were found to not be true. So I mean, yeah. and still, it just seems like people don't want to move past moments like that and learn that there there are other things going on.
2: Well, uh, you know, when when people have something that is part of their own experience or that they have had reinforced for years. Or yeah. all of their friends are saying, you know, it, it, it's the plausible messenger. Are you more likely to sure. believe a stranger or a friend? Um, so, you know, it, it's very hard to, to combat that unless you can turn off the misinformation. And I find it fascinating that Twitter said that in the week after they deplatformed Trump, This information on Twitter dropped by 73% from removing one person. Wow. One person.
1: That's amazing.
2: And, yeah. And so you have to turn it off. Um, You know, in my, my book, one of the things I talk about is how do you get discordia out of your life? How do you get this discord and constant war of all on all out of your life? And one thing is to turn off the channel that is coming in. If <laughs> Facebook or Twitter or whatever is toxic, turn it off. And when I when I wrote this book three years ago, my partner said, You have to take this chapter out. Nobody is gonna leave Facebook. Nobody is gonna buy that social media is toxic. And you saying that? That these platforms are toxic or full of misinformation is pin had it. Pin-hatted people are going to say you're crazy. They're going to stop reading the book if you say this. Now, that was only three years ago. Wow. Today, it is certainly, you know, a very mainstream idea to say that, yes, there is a problem on these platforms. Yes, they do spread misinformation. Yes, they do spread discord. Yes, we do need to think about limiting our interactions with this. We need to think about how the platforms our negative interactions through what they promote. And, you know, misinformation dropped 73% the week after Twitter threw Trump off. What if they thrown him off the day after the election instead of three months later? Hmm. What if we hadn't had three months of Stop the Steal? What if the first right. time he lied about it, they the first time they warned him, they have actually said, "You know what? We're going to hold you to the same standards as everyone else. Three strikes are out; you're out November ninth." Hmm. They certainly, yeah. you know, at the time it was, "Oh, we can't possibly." Well, apparently you could possibly, just not till January, yeah. right? You know, so you could if you can do it in January, you could have done it in November.
1: Wow. Didn't even think about And that. not
2: let that misinformation spread not let stop the feel ever be the kind of thing that it was.
1: yeah wow yeah I mean this is heavy shit you know it there's is. a lot to think about there's a there's a lot to unpack and I mean you know things Change and they mutate and they evolve and I just think we need to be really hyper aware of of the chatter you know the chatter that happens in the background of the people who feel disenfranchised don't you agree?
2: Oh I agree and I think we need to listen to not listen to the nuts, not listen to the bad actors, but listen to the people they're appealing to. Like that woman in Columbia, South Carolina. She was not a bad mm-hmm. actor. She was a worried mother who was frantic about her son's life. Yeah.
1: Yeah. it makes a difference. So, yeah, you know, the source of the material is also important. Yeah. No, I, I, I dig what you're saying. It's It's a question... You know it's not just a question of what you hear, it's where you're where it's coming from and I think see because I think a lot of people don't want their fears you know um, not cured, but they don't want them relieved I think People are so used to being afraid that they kind of want to be able to hold on to their fear. And I think that desire, it does so much damage Mm
2: -hmm. to people
1: Mm -hmm. because you can't get through to them. It's like, and I've said this 9,000 times, you know, in having a conversation with my mother, who was an ardent Trump supporter, who is housebound um, and has Fox News on Endless Loop. You know, and I said, mother, but these are the facts. And my mother said, facts don't matter. And there are some people that are going to be a lost cause. And I think the only the only way to perhaps try to mitigate some of the damage from those people is to try to save the reasonable ones. And, you know, the mother that you mentioned is obviously a reasonable person, just a scared person. And hopefully... Um, has learned enough to know better now. You know what I mean? I do think think that some people are still reachable. But I think, you know, instead of dismissing these people and hoping that they'll go away, they don't go away. Um, I think we need to try to, and I don't know how to do this, but my feeling is that we have to do more to bring these people more back into a reality-based fold as opposed to, You know, the lies they've been told and and the lies that have been reinforced by the person who used to be at the top. And I have no idea how to make that happen. So if you have any ideas, please tell me.
2: Well, I think the first thing is to not dismiss the need for faith. Now, let's say someone says to you, prove to me the God's exist. How are you gonna do that? Well, if you oh, can't shit. do that, obviously oh. you're a nut. Prove the God's example. Well, Otherwise you're a nut. <laughs> right.
0: <laughs> I mean you
2: can't prove that. That's right. a matter of faith. And if I someone said that to me and I said, Well, here are my deep felt personal religious experiences, they would say well, right. you're psycho. Yeah. I can't prove my experiences to them.
1: Them right. saying,
2: well, you know, only facts matter. If you can't factually prove the existence of the gods, I mean, so I think we have to, one of our unique roles is to understand the role of faith in this. When we see Q Shaman, He's not that mm-hmm. far from us. Yeah. That doesn't mean we have to agree with him. Right. But the reason why he's wearing antlers is not alien to us. Yeah. <sighs> and so, you know, <laughs> facts are not going to sway him any more than saying, you know, prove the gods exist is going to sway you.
1: Right, right. Well, yeah. No, you're right. Oh boy. Just, I feel like I have to do something, and I don't know what to do. So the only thing I can do is try to listen when people talk and and see if there's a road into commonality somewhere. If there's yeah. some basis of a I place where we can key. agree. Yeah. I think that's the key.
2: It's Let's hard. Find the road into commonality. And maybe for some of us, that road is a shared faith. Yeah. And to say, you know, saying you need to be Mr. Rational, I'm saying, are the gods saying what you think they're saying?
1: And, that's you know. That's a separate question, and that's an interesting question. You know, who who does deity really speak to you know can you can't just dismiss somebody who says that deity is speaking to them just because you disagree with them you can't just dismiss that out of hand and i exactly. think that is part that's part of the problem because you're trying to find a place where there is commonality and what you're saying is completely far-fetched to them and what they're saying is completely far-fetched to you, especially if you're talking about the same set of gods. I mean, this is a hard one, Joe. It's This is a really difficult one. Yeah, it one. is.
2: It is very hard. It is very hard when someone says, I serve a god of war. I serve a god who wants chaos. Okay. Oh. What do you say wow. when someone says I and I'm I'm not going to name particular gods because right that's not what I'm trying to invoke but when uh-huh. someone says I serve a god of chaos I want chaos Chaos is good chaos is liberation I want all institutions to fall I serve a god of chaos of unmaking Mm -hmm. what do
1: we say well well, the first thing I would want to know is is there a specific institution you want to work on first because to just say you want everything to fall apart is one thing to take specific action to make something fall apart what is it about it you want to fall apart I, I would have these are my series of questions. What is it you want to fall apart and why? Do you have a better idea? Um, do you, is the line for you simply a question of good or evil? Um, what are you trying to achieve? Are you trying to make anyone's life better through this action? I mean, there are a series of things that can be asked. Now, depending on the answer, it could be as simple as, run for a local dog catcher to affect the change you want or a letter writing campaign to affect the change you want there's different ways there's different ways that don't necessarily mean violence is, is the only go to but to understand why people are unhappy might be the root of of finding out why they're taking a specific action. What is it that is hurting you? What got you to this point? And those are really long conversations. And they're difficult ones to have because a lot of people do not want to have them, especially Mm -hmm. when the person you're talking to has a view that's so antithetical to your own. But I guess it has to start somewhere. Yeah. Like, why? Why are these folks so unhappy? Why does QAnon exist? You know, what is what was the root of this? What is you know? And I don't even. And I will be completely honest with you. I don't know their complete platform. Maybe that's Um, maybe that's where I need to start. Well,
2: you know, I think why are they unhappy? When you say that, that's keying in on something because. Happy people don't have revolution. Right. People who are happy right. and fulfilled and things are going great and they feel like things are getting better don't have revolution. Why are they unhappy? And, you know, here I'm coming, again, from a faith-based perspective of Isis is the mother of the world. Everyone is her yes. child, even children who are misbehaving. Right? right? Yeah. Isis is the mother of children who misbehave as well as children who do what they told. <laughs> and, and, you know, why are you unhappy? Because that yeah. unhappiness is the seed of the destructiveness. Now, there are a few people who just want to destroy for the sake of destroying, but that is not mm-hmm. anything like most people. Most people are unhappy. And right now in the pandemic yeah. and with every that's going on. There are a lot of reasons for a lot of people to be unhappy. Yeah. Misery seeds. Yeah. Misery hmm. seeds are making. And I'm being, I'm sorry, I'm being really metaphysical, but if I can't be metaphysical on a pagan show, where can I be? Um, of
1: misery seeds. No, no, making. seriously. Yeah, I mean, but this is this is why we're having these conversations, because there's got to be something that can be done. There's got to be a way to reach out. There's got to be a way to, you know, because we, you know, we react out of, at least I do. Let me, let me just speak for myself. I react in a way that does not welcome people that I'm afraid of. It's very simple. My Mm -hmm. idea of. That's (laughs) the thing we all say Right, but. True, but maybe that's where the change has to occur in the perception of, because some, someone's going to have to change for a conversation to happen. So, you know, I've got to figure out how to be more receptive, because I know I'm not. And maybe that's my failing. Maybe that's my lesson is that I have to learn to be more receptive when, when somebody with an opposing view wants to talk about it. And I do have a situation where I am in contact daily with someone who is completely the opposite of me. And maybe instead of shutting them down, I need to open up and let that conversation happen. So I am going to, and we are almost out of time, um, so for our next conversation, which is in a few months, because we've already scheduled it, um, I'm I'm going to try to have these conversations with at least just one person and see how it goes and report back. <laughs> and maybe I'll get somewhere and get some answers. Well, I hope so, and I
2: hope that, I, I think that driving is doing the right thing by reaching out with compassion. Now, yeah. there may need to be a time take a harder line. But I think Mm -hmm. turn off the anger and try to resolve some of the immediate reasons that people are hurting. They're broke. They're Mm -hmm. frightened. They're going to lose their job. They're worried they're going to get COVID. They're worried about a family member who's ill. You know, Mm -hmm. turn off the sources of fear and pain. and maybe Maybe we can start moving in the right direction.
1: I hope so. I mean, I think if we have one person in our life that we can maybe talk to, and at least try to understand why they have that, because my mother's a lost cause. My mother, not only does my mother drink the Kool-Aid, she helps stir it. She is not the person who is going to be receptive to anything I have to say, because she's right, I'm wrong, end of story, there is no conversation. Um, And you're going to have people like that, and that's, you know, unfortunately we're going to have to accept the fact that there are going to be people who behave that way or react that way. But if you can find one person, maybe, maybe, and talk to them and, and try to find a point where we can agree, maybe that will help change things. I, I'm going to try it. I'm, I'm, I'm going to give so. it a whirl. I think so. I'm not, yeah, so. not going to promise to be perfect at it, but I am going to try. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, my
2: deciding flaw is righteous anger. You know, I get fed up yeah. because somebody has done something that is wrong, bad, terrible, and my righteous anger will burn the world down. So my constant prayer is, Isis, help me react with compassion rather than fury. Help me yeah. cool with anger and hold it for these rare circumstances when righteous anger is called for. Rather
0: than, you yeah. know for things that
1: it isn't. I'm gonna try. <laughs> yeah. I, I try. am too. <laughs> oh my gosh, I will try. Joe, thank you so much for for spending some time with me and having this conversation. There are no easy answers obviously, but you and I every, every few months are gonna try to tackle it anyway. Um, please tell folks where to find you and your books.
2: Um, I am Jo Graham, and you can find my books in Pagan Bookstores. can order um, from Llewellyn Catalog, you can order online from Llewellyn, um, or you can order online from Barnes & Noble on any major outlet. Um, my books that bear on this subject are The Great Wheel, which talks about the saculum, and Winter, which talks about particular crisis we are in right now in 2021
1: amazing books joe graham thank you so much and uh i will talk to you soon thank you again
2: thanks rama thank you so much
1: all right i'll see you i'll see you soon bye-bye bye all right everybody i will be back on friday and i hope you have a wonderful week talk to y'all soon Try to reach out to somebody. I mean, we've we've got to try to change it. <laughs> we we can't just be in factions, you know, the the election's over, let's try to heal and put it back together. Talk to y'all next week. Bye bye.